Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Coming up on this afternoon's show, a little bit later on, yes, we have our week two weigh in in Lose Weight and Feel Great for You. How did they get on? They lost £30 last week, the four of them. What can they do this week? We'll also be talking about St. Bridget. Yes, Bridget's Day is the 1st of February, coming up very soon, and synonymous with County Louth. But first today, I saw it for myself at the finishing line of the Dublin Marathon in October. The man is simply a legend, even though it's almost 63 years since he won that gold medal at the 1956 Olympics in Melbourne. After a nice chat on that day and a photo, I invited Ronnie Delaney to be my guest on Late Lunch. And can I tell you, I'm just chuffed. He's here with me today. Ronnie, you're very welcome. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. And I'm delighted to have you with me. And I want to tell people first, God, you've had a fan club here already to say hello to you and you're only in the place. You have very strong connections with the northeast don't you yes i do i was thrilled i can't tell you how thrilled to see pat Henry and his wife margaret who are colleagues of mine in the bni and close friends and indeed both of them are very close friends i remember being up here before i think there was some sort of rather historical society and pat was the chief bottle washer there and margaret i've always had the greatest respect for she was an outstanding uh, person and a wonderful secretary in the bni she managed about 10 of us i think pat reminded me today so what a pleasure <laughs> to see them yes. I, I wish them both very very well and can i pass on regards too as well from a well-known lady and journalist in the northeast I know you know her well as well. Caroline Kavanagh would have loved to have been with us today, but she's away out of the country in a short break, but she extends her wishes to you. You know Caroline well? Yes, I do, because I see her at the Independent Sports Stars event every year. She represents the, the local newspaper. She always says hello to me, which is nice. She meets my wife, and we, ha- we always have a pleasant exchange. And in fact... I told her about Pat and Margaret, my friendship with her, many years ago. And what she do before today, she rang Pat and Margaret and said, hey, Ronnie's going to be up here. <laughs> and I thought that was a lovely, lovely Lovely touch thought. as well. And going back, and we're going to talk a good bit about you and your career, to the Olympic times. Of course, we remember today the late Tony Soxbarn from Drogheda, who brought home a bronze medal from those Olympics that you won in. Yes, I, he was a great colleague of mine, a great Olympian. He lived in Canada most of his life 
and he was friendly with my brother and he had lunch with my brother one day and he writes to me to tell me how I met met my my brother Joe who's a great athlete in his own right and he said it was my favourite sort of lunch uh, Ronnie he said Joe paid so that was that was Tony Socks Byrne the other thing I remember about him very clearly and I think the local community will enjoy these those nearly as old as me who remember him in the Olympic, when we arrived at the Olympics, there was, the little airport wasn't big enough to take a huge, big aeroplane. So we got off the small aeroplane and everyone, all the Irish in Australia, wanted to greet us and welcome us to the Olympic Games. We were a team of 12 and they came out onto the Tarm Academy or the apron. And of course, they embraced us, they gave us presents and all sorts of different things happened. But they took to Tony in a... He even got a, a car plate, whatever the hell that had to do with gifts. So that was a wonderful moment. Then when he was finished in the boxing, he went to all the Irish clubs. And he was like a collection agent for us. We were, we were all amateurs. We were only a 12-person team. And we would no income. And we would no daily allowance or anything at the Olympic Games. And Tony would come back and he'd have... Australian dollars, and he was the most generous human being. He'd passed them out, shared the, the spoils with us. Now, he probably gave himself a few extra extra <laughs> dollars for doing the job. But what an extraordinary memory of him. And then when he passed away, it was my honour to attend at, at his funeral as a fellow Olympian mm. and a great athlete and a medalist. But most of all, he was an Olympian. And that's unique. Once yes. an Olympian, always an Olympian. Absolutely. He, he's laid to rest in St. Peter's Cemetery in Drogheda. And I had the privilege myself of interviewing him a few times before he passed away when he came home from Canada. He used to spend summers here. You knew that yourself. Uh, and then he'd go back home to Canada for, for the winter time of the year. You mentioned your brother Joe, a terrific athlete. I, I've seen you quoted in many articles to say he was fantastic. He gave it up early, though, didn't he? Yeah, he he was brilliant from the day he was 12 years of age. He took part in the primary schools. He won the long jump and the sprints. Then he took part in the Leinster Colleges and the Christian Brother, Brothers Championship. And he was phenomenal. He could win 400 metres, 200 metres. They were all yards then. He could long jump and he could high jump. So when I was... Go- younger brother, about three years younger than him. When he'd be going to a sports, I obviously was inspired by him, but I wasn't copying him. But I'd have to carry his prizes home. And I remember there's a picture in my book of carrying about six prizes. He'd won about three or four cups. He was a great athlete. But the interesting thing is that what I benefited from got him tired of athletics. I didn't take part until seriously till I was about 17 years of age. Really? And he was taking part from when he was 12. So he was primary school, secondary school. And he was even on the Irish team, men's team, at, at uh, 18 years of age. He could long jump about 23 feet. He was potentially an elite athlete like myself if he had chosen to go to America. And I've, sometimes I think that with the position I had in America being so successful, if I'd said to my university, look, my brother is a bit older than me, but he still can long jump, he's still fit enough, how about us giving him a scholarship out here? Now, I never thought of it. Your mind doesn't work that way. Mm. But Joe was a great, great 
uh, inspiration to me. But I wasn't into sort of role models. I didn't need role models. Intellectually, I used to figure things out for myself. So uh, I, I didn't, as I say, become a serious runner until I was 18. I became a competitive runner at 17, unlike him, although I tell a lie. Because when I was 12 years of age, I was in the primary school sports, running for O'Connell schools. And in O'Connell schools, we got the privilege of, of having our local meet, our college, school championships in Croke Park. And then we had the what they call come in the month school or the primary school championship afterwards. And we had a relay team and I was on the relay team. And we had legendary sports people on that relay team. Niall Brophy, British line, Irish international winger. A guy called Gigengak, who went on to run for Canada in the, in the Olympics. And a guy called Caldwell, who was Brendan Caldwell, Caldwell's brother. And he played one of the junior leagues of, of Irish soccer, but he played that very, very well. So this is the team... Um, of course, I wouldn't tell you the story if we didn't win the, school, the race. <laughs> but I'm uh, years later, I, I meet Niall Brophy and we've become great friends and colleagues and in the same clubs. And we're, I'd be at a cocktail party or a drinks party and Brophy would look over at me and he'd shout at me. He was a big manager. Hey, Delaney, he says, you were the slowest on the team. And he was probably right, but <laughs> I thought it was a bit unkind. And then later, when when we became even better friends, he was slightly embarrassed about it. So I used to reverse the story on him, and I'd look across at Brophy. Hey, Brophy, don't you call me the slowest on the team? <laughs> and he'd be mortified. So there you go. <laughs> Great story. You were able to turn the tables on him. You obviously had the talent growing up and as you said you became real serious at 17 and 18. A guy called Jack Sweeney at Crusaders, you you attribute a lot to him in your career. Yes, but even more, Jack Sweeney was at CUS. He was a brilliant math teacher. He taught higher maths. So I I did higher maths with him for a while till we got to calculus and then I, I abandoned higher maths very quickly. But Jack was my coach there and he wasn't just a school coach, he was a, a national coach. He was a national coach and he ran a summer school up in uh, one of the colleges quite near here. And that summer school, the Jack Sweeney summer school was famous, but he got me early on and the school philosophy was brilliant because it suited me. They, were, they weren't pushing me. And I had a lovely man called Father Lonigan, who was the mentor. And Father was concerned that I didn't run too much. He needn't have worried. But anyway, I, I, first year I win the Leinster Colleges and all that sort of thing. But, and the All-Ireland Colleges. And the second year, I decided I want to win two races. So I, I, I won it in the half mile. And I say I'll have a go in the quarter mile. So father is very concerned that I'm not doing too much. So, Ronnie, only do it if you want. And it was that sort of caring. So that's the philosophy I came out of, a, a Marist philosophy. You know, I think you'd understand with your proximity yes. to Dundalk. Yes, of course. great Marist school there. Mm. So, but Jack taught me one fundamental, which stayed with me all my life. And it was something that had to be in, sort of installed in your mindset. He said, Ronnie, you can only make one decisive move in a race. Now, the word was decisive. 
So that decisive mood had to carry you to victory. And that's what he installed in my head. Now, I was a racer. I loved racing. So in the college's championships, I'd run and with the pack and then I'd make that one decisive move. I carried that throughout my racing career and even into the Olympics. I was able to do that. It was a particular tactic. Now, I obviously had to have the physiological makeup to do it. I had to have the heartbeat to do it because I used to be able to change tempo very, very rapidly. So at this point, say, most times 150 yards from the tape, I'd suddenly change tempo. And because I had a faster heartbeat than many of the other guys, I'd be able to accelerate in five yards and gain maybe two or, or, or even two or three yards. So that was the background to that. And that carried through, as you said, to that famous race uh, on the 1st of December 1956. John Landy was the roaring favourite to win the Olympic gold that day. And just take us to, to that final lap because the, you were packed bunch qu- quite close together, but you were near the back, weren't you, going into the final lap? Yeah, well, it didn't matter because uh, it was a very even-paced race. It was a race, and I'll come back and we might talk about that later, because the race is the essence. It's not about pace setters, it's not about ambition, it's not about your number one in the world, it's a foot race. There are 12 of you in it, and the three who meddled in that race, where were we? The first two laps. Last, second last, and third last. And where were we? At the bell, we were beginning to move. The field was packed into about six yards. The fellow who was supposed to ring the bell forgot to ring the bell. He was so excited. And we're not pushing or shoving. We've all plenty of room. I got a little bit of room made by me, for me by uh, Nielsen of Denmark. The move began then. The race began. Uh, our, my great friend and competitor, uh, Brian Hewson, unfortunately found himself in the lead, which is the worst possible place to be, at the bell. And he goes down the back straight, and now he's, he's a target for us all. But I'm not making this one decisive move yet. Landy begins to move up. I trail him, and I'm doing it very gently. I'm not running fast. I'm just striding as comfortably as I've been throughout the race. And then he begins to race. He really is having a hard go, at, uh, and he wants to win, and he, he's, he's barreling down the back straight. I'm in his shadow. I'm in his trail. I'm in his jet stream, and I'm pacing myself. And then suddenly this power I have within me and this gift that Jack Sweeney gave me, I just put put, put into that gear and that was the end of the, the Olympic race. Ronnie, <laughs> I, I was on your shoulder all the way there. Do you understand you. that, the Thank way you, you described it? But the interesting thing is that Rosavalji, who was at the back of the field with me, he was second, Landy was third. Uh, the fourth guy, I think, was Tabery, who I liked very much. Brian Hewson. God help him, was fifth, having been stuck out in the front. How dare he find himself in that position? And then we had all we had great Olympians after us, like Murray Halberg, who won the gold medal in in uh, Rome at 5,000 metres. He was about seven. There was another New Zealander, uh, Neville Scott. He was, I'm testing my memory here, <laughs> but what a wonderful, what a wonderful race, what a wonderful memory. Over the line you go, your hands are up in the air, you fall to the ground, they all congratulate you. The thing is, though, it's 1956 and communications aren't 
<laughs> what was I going to say, a patch on today. They're a different world altogether. And you do know that back home in Ireland, we did get a commentary from the BBC. But maybe what a lot of people don't know, you'd won two, er- two, two hours earlier, hadn't you? Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal because uh, radio opened at seven in the morning. And as you say, it was crackly and not quite crystal sets, but pretty pretty close to it. And uh, my mates from Crusaders, you mentioned Crusaders earlier, I mentioned Caldwell, and Tony was a great, great friend of mine in, 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 in Crusaders, and a very bright man. He's a wine, wine connoisseur. Don't know what the connection that has to do with Ronnie. <laughs> but anyway, to make a long story short, he and they're all gathered around the ca- crackly radio and the commentator in introducing the piece had said something not the equivalent of watch the Irishman Delaney but uh, he included me in the preliminaries which he shouldn't have done because I'm an Irishman and he's there on English radio he should have been only talking about his own there were three of his own so Tony immediately clicks and he said he said Ronnie has won it what do you mean he's won it? He wouldn't mention him if he hadn't won it. And that was the prelim to it. And what an exciting uh, moment it was. Everyone tells me lovely stories about the radio. My dear friend Tony O'Reilly, um, great athlete. Tony, he told me one time that he rushed down to his father. And he, his father, I love this, is reading the Times, not the Independent. You think Tony would have said the Independent? And he says, "Dad, Dad," he says, "Ronnie has won the Olympics." And the father imperiously puts down the paper, and he looks across at his son and he says, "What would you expect? Isn't his father in the service?" Meaning, my father was in the customs and excise, and. Tony's father was head of the customs and excise. I think that's an extraordinary story. I, my father enjoyed that greatly. I'm sure he that. did. So we're all of the one stock yeah, here. And yeah, other ones. the whole thing was I was in the customs. Like my country relation, <laughs> never thought I could run, but they fed me on such good produce, <laughs> eggs and meats and it's chicken. It's dirty, you see. It's dirty. But look, <laughs> you were only 21. You're Olympic champion, Ronnie, and the world is your oyster. I want to roll on a few years because uh, you've uh, written and spoken about this extensively. But you did say in, in a book you wrote latterly that really the rest of your career was an anticlimax. What do you mean by that? That's a bit severe, but I, I, in, in its literal sense, a bit severe. Mm. But the reality of winning the gold medal is that you climb Mount Olympus for one day, you're the best man in the world. You're undisputed champion of the world. And from then onwards, you're a target of everyone you run against. Every time you step on a line, you are being targeted. They're trying to beat you. So I had a phenomenal career in America. And I ran for five years without losing a race indoors. I set the world record three times for the mile. I ran 34 miles in succession. I ran two miles, 1,000 yards, 800 metres. I took on all comers and I won every race. But every time I stepped in line, I was the target. So I ran to win, which the public didn't like, particularly in Madison Square Garden. But the anticlimax was that you could never get yourself up mentally to the same level 
I got myself up because I ran a lot intercollegiately. I had some phenomenal achievements indoor, indoors and outdoors as a collegiate athlete. But when it came to championship running, other things would impact like fitness, fitness level, injuries. And there was sort of this sort of delusion that you couldn't repeat in fact, it was not a delusion. It was fact. You could never, you could never repeat because mentally, say the European Championships, which I was criticised for not winning. I won Ireland's first ever bronze medal in the European Championships in Stockholm in 1958. The expectation was I could win. The Irish journalists, I don't think, ever forgave me because I only got third. They had less to write about. But the reality was there that I ran 36 races that year before I went into that 1500 metres final. I ran, say, 15 races indoors, not losing any. I ran endless races outdoors. And then Billy Morton had had me home here and I'd be racing every great athlete that was in proximity to Ireland. He'd bring them here he'd bring Australians, Englishmen. He was really, forgot I was on holidays. He never, never even told. So this was sort of a reality you had to contend with. And my word, therefore, was a bit harsh that your your expectation could never be the same. Yes, and I think you've explained that really well. As you say, as you read the words, I I looked at that, it was in your book, of course, Staying the Distance. But when you look at, and I repeat what you said, 28 races you won after Melbourne. You went on a 40-race winning streak in the United States. Those indoor world records. My God almighty, Ronnie, not bad. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't known because the media here in Ireland relied on AP and United Press. And you'd get a segment. Well, I was the lead story at the back of the New York Times while I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and the Philadelphia Inquirer and Chicago Daily News. The lead story, because the mile was the big event indoors. I was top of the news every weekend for, say, 10 weekends in the winter. And back here, I was getting a column Delaney wins his 26th race. Delaney wins his 30th race. Delaney sets it. And they never sent a journalist over to see me in all that time. Ronnie, you imagine should be today. You yourself, media. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine today? You'd be trending on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Should there be no end to the publicity you'd be getting well, today? Well, I've, I've no regrets about that, to be quite honest, <laughs> yeah. because what I was able to do was I was an amateur athlete and I hope this doesn't sound too personal, but I wanted to remain an amateur athlete all my life, and I've been able to achieve that where the pressure would have been, the commercial pressure, the marketing pressure would have been so great on me. See, there was no money running. There was no money advertising afterwards. I did an ad maybe 50 years ago, and I was so embarrassed by doing it, I never did another one. Well, I did. I tell a lie. I did one for Adida, which <laughs> I thought was quite posh to be asked by Adida in 2012. But that was the sort of desire I had to remain of the people, to be amateur. And so I spent my life being beautifully treated by the public, the Dublin public, the people all over Ireland, the little clubs invite me to come down. They'd always ask me what my expenses were. I'd say I have no expenses. I'd go down and they'd always give me a much 
nice presentation than the few bob I probably would have been able to demand <laughs> at the time. So that was that was the the joy of of amateurism. Just on that point, do you think today when you see the world of athletics today, God, it's a big business. People are full time professional at it. They get the endorsements. They have sponsors. They have everything. Is that something you bemoan, even though it's obviously been inevitable the way the sport has gone in that direction? Yes, it is inevitable. And I thought it would have been quicker. Like, I thought money would have been there in the 60s and possibly was. But it really didn't become commercial till television took over. And television started broadcasting athletics. Then the money came in. The money followed that. But uh, it was quite exciting in the sense that I didn't have to contend with all that. I didn't have to contend with commercialisation. And today they have to, and it's a huge pressure on them. It's a huge added added pressure. I obviously have opinions on that, but I don't know whether you need me to share them. (laughs) No, no, no. I hear what you're saying, and I understand what you're saying as well. Listen to some of these comments coming to us today. What an amazing man Ronnie is. I'm really enjoying listening to his stories this afternoon. Thank you for that one. Staying the Distance, somebody else says, is one of my favourite books, and I'm... I'm delighted to hear Ronnie chatting on LMFM this afternoon. Jerry, great interview. What a legend is Ronnie. Uh, And to have him on your show, wow. And another one there just come in to us, just listening in. And uh, I wonder what Ron thinks of athletes and training diets now. What what was your diet like back then? My diet was that I had a credible, beautiful mother who uh, fed me terribly well. I was lucky in that my... Relations were from the country, and they sent me up all sorts of produce even during the war years. And my diet was to eat terribly well. When I went to America, they they did things like give you multivitamins, but you still ate very, very well. I ate huge. And to this day, I eat huge. I eat two dinners most days. And I haven't this p- pitch on me. I no, need, you haven't. I haven't I, 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 well, that's the point. I'm trying to put something on me. <laughs> I get too, too, too thin. But uh, I ate enormously. And in fact, I tell a little story at college at Villanova. Food was great. Of course, the American, the rich American boys, the food was dreadful. They were given out about it all the time. And I thought the food was fabulous and the quantities were fabulous. I used to drink about 12 glasses of milk a day, where in Ireland I ate 12 eggs a day. Over there I had multiples of all sorts of food. And they'd be given out about the food all the time. But I had such a big appetite that I was 10 stone 6 and coach realised how hungry I was. So first thing he gave me was food vouchers so that at night, at nine o'clock, I could go up and have chocolate cake and, and ice cream. And then he said, that wasn't doing enough. So then he put me on the football players' table. So here was this skinny little Irishman with these 220-pound linebackers and tackles and, and they're looking at me and they're looking at me. Now I sound gluttonous, I wasn't gluttonous, I just had a, a huge appetite and to this day I, I have a huge appetite. What do I think of today? I think basic eating is the essential. Now, my wife Joan is a wonderful cook so I have the pleasure of great, great meals every day. In fact she could take anything and make a meal out of it. Last night we had a brilliant stir fry. I I look forward to going home every evening because I know whatever she does is brilliant. That's a beautiful compliment to you, Joan, but you are an outstanding, standing cook. I think the essential thing is to eat properly. Now, 
I cannot be critical because I think an old man being critical is not the right way to do it. But say less emphasis on diet, more emphasis on eating properly. Joan's been on to us, Ronnie, to say she's just loving listening to you this afternoon and she wants to mention that there's a young lady with Dunleer Athletic Club called Erin Levy and she's a great prospect and she'd wonder, would you say hello to Erin this afternoon and wish her well? I will, of course. What age is Erin? Do we know? I'd say she's a young girl now. I'd say she's an upcoming athlete. Erin, I wish you well, uh, first of all. And secondly, play a variety of sports. If you're young, if you're very young, don't specialise in athletics as much. Play other sports. Play hockey, play camogie, play basketball. In other words, develop overall body strength. And the other thing that's important to develop is vision, lateral vision, so that if you say basketball, you'll see to your right because you need that in the, ultimately in the race when you're racing. So my best wishes to Best you. wishes to you, Aaron, and nice advice there from the great man. You were up this neck of the woods again recently because uh, Noel Carroll, another great yeah. name in the world of athletics, there was a beautiful unveiling of a seat. Yes. And you were there, weren't you? In Anagas. Yes. You know, what a freezing day. <laughs> and what a beautiful town Anagasin is. It's lovely. I, I think it should be highlighted on, on the uh, the tourist maps. It doesn't get the credit. The beautiful drive into it. Mm. Is it the river or the sea on your yes, left? Yes, you have the sea estuary. there and you have the river as well coming down into the estuary there. Oh, it's beautiful. And the people are lovely. They, mm. they really welcomed me up. And, of course, the Carl's family were there. Mm. Deirdre and the children. And it was a lovely occasion, although we were all frozen out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe you had lovely hospitality. Oh, yeah, I'd say you were in O'Neill's there, were yes, you? Yes, I was really... Thought it was outstanding, and yes. it was a real family atmosphere about it. Mm. They were participating in the celebration yeah. of Noel's life, so it wasn't as if you're going in, you're getting uh, manufactured sandwiches. You were getting food. You're getting. I know the glide in. It, I the glide in. I think I read about it since it's got pub of the year. It has the glide in. It's pub of the year. Oh, Ronnie, you know your stuff at the <laughs> restaurant there, Lynn. I'll probably get a free pint next time I go in. <laughs> Listen, Connor, will look after. We know Connor O'Neill well. He'll, uh, he'll be in touch with you after this. I'm sure you're after giving them a great endorsement <laughs> in the glide and right. the Lynn Ducal restaurant as well. It's brilliant. It really is lovely there. Now back to you for a moment. You were uh, an army man. You were a cadet, were you? Yeah, very proudly. Uh, Cadetships were contested by public advertisement. I got a cadetship because intellectually, academically, average. So, but athletically, above average. So the ideal type of person, they want someone with leadership qualities, uh, intellectually, ordinary, normal, not extraordinary. And I got the the, uh, cadetship and went down to the Curra. I'm talking about being cold. Talk about the curler. I was quite cold. But I found that I couldn't combine my athletic ambition, which I now had, and being made an officer, an officer and a gentleman. So I decided I would leave because I, I couldn't manage the two. And I was determined to explore my athletic talent to the full. I knew it was a great opportunity. And my father was quite disgusted with me, but supportive of me and loving of me in my decision. But he didn't like it a bit. He thought I was mad. And probably the public would have thought I was mad if it hadn't become a great athlete. What a stupid thing for an 18-year-old to do. <laughs> but I, I, I love the army and I, my respect for the army is still there. Because mm. even the short time I was there, I was taught discipline. And I was taught respect. And they're the qualities and leadership. 
and bravery. All of these things which are going to be essential in my future career. So subsequently, I've become great friends with many, many of my colleagues. And I met one man the other day, and Kerwin, he played... Gaelic for Galway. He might have won in All-Ireland. I'm not sure on that because I think 56 was a football Ireland. Oh yeah, he did win in All-Ireland. And I'm in the NTC place in Dean's Grange. And this guy comes up and he says, you won't remember me. And he, I was with you. I said, Jerry Curran. And he looked at me and he nearly, he nearly dropped. Galway footballer. And I said, Jerry, you slept in the same barracks as I did. And you're in the bed opposite me. And every night when we'd be all settling down to go to sleep after the hijinks would have been up to all evening, the first last thing you'd say, Jerry, was to say, would say, Bartolin Munro. <laughs> that, was, that was my memory of him. Well, he ne- I nearly broke him off telling him that. And he remembered it. The lovely colleagues I met there and then subsequently all the friends I had mm. in the army afterwards. But do you know what I noticed? Uh, and I only met you for the first time at the marathon, as I mentioned this year. I was there with David Carr and Team Carry, what a wonderful team. We follow them every year here on the show and he brings people to the marathon every year. Hundreds and hundreds of them he's brought and I know he's listening, David, to us this afternoon and he's delighted that you are here. Thank you. But I met you there and something I noticed, you stood with me and chatted generously. We had a photograph taken and loads of people were coming up to you and shaking your hand and acknowledging you and wanted to talk to you. Is that still as important to you today as ever, all, all these years later? Well, it, it's very, very flattering, but there is a gap because because of my age, there's no, hardly anyone has ever seen me run because I'm so old. Uh, well, we we, we not, don't not have that. to see you, we yeah, know. But, but funny, the, I had a theory about radio. Radio, you didn't, you had to visualise the race, so people who listened to the radio would still remember. But the young, when you're put into, the one that I don't really enjoy is the person, the father with the child, nine or ten. Do you know this man? I think that's unfair on the child. Now, when I meet the child and the child learns about me, they have this aura, this joy of meeting an Olympic gold medalist. So I still get that, but... And it's still a pleasure because you say going down the streets of Dublin, every dub knows you. Uh, and uh, 40 years ago everyone knew you personally but uh, I remember going down the Keys one day and I tell stories a bit again and again but that's the thing about great stories this guy looks at me and he's sort of a real job and a real Dublin accent and he looks at me and he says are you Ronnie Delaney and he does it with super expletives which I can't use on the air and I modestly lower my eyes and I say yes I am I'm Ronnie Delaney and he thinks for a minute and he nearly scratches his head and then he looks at me again with expletives he says I never saw anyone got so much so and so mileage out of winning a medal that was not marvellous now that's that is you are you are the property you are the property of the public yes and to this day that's there I do things I do formal things I do serious things I do educational things and I enjoy communicating and I delight in some of the contemporary things that are there, like um, I'm interested in sports psychology at the moment. And uh, there's a book out which I, it's talking about the influence of cyber psychology. So I watched that and I listened. I listened to that. And, I, and some of the great athletes of the day are involved in this. A lot of the rugby players, it's called sports psychology, but cyber, dealing with cyber issues. 
So it's fascinating. Uh, it's fascinating, is right. Anne Borton, Anne Borton has been in touch, known then as Anne Doyle, was listening to her great neighbour Ronnie, who lived beside her in Sydney Parade, St John's Road in Dublin. When myself and my dad would see Ronnie, he used to say to me, Ha, that's Ronnie Delaney who won the gold medal at the Irish Olympics. Such a wonderful man, Jerry, and it's just great to have him with you on your show today. That's Anne, thank you so much. That's lovely. That's yeah, lovely. Anne was the physio with the Mead football team team for oh years. God, yeah. Yeah. I have great, great connection with the Mead football team because Brian Smith was from the town, my father was the village, Batterstown mm. and I think Brian is still alive yes. and then Cullum O'Rourke, I have great regard for him, mm. they're near neighbours aren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. What, what, what a wonderful and then J- Mr Boyle and he, he sent me a few of his cures my God, <laughs> I wasn't able to take a view of them. There must be magic in them. Yes, absolutely. Sean is you. in great fettle and I, I've met him again recently and like he, he's just a great guy like yourself. You sit here today, these years later, you're hale and hearty, you're, you're as fit looking as ever. You drove to us here today. You're flying. You really are, aren't you? Thanks to God, yeah. Yeah. Thank God every day. Mm. And uh, I don't have any secrets. I, I, I think what I would say is intellectually use your mind, you know, exercise your mind. I think an awful lot of very successful businessmen, they go into a valley of doing nothing. I think you have to exercise your mind nearly as much as you have to exercise your body. And don't over-exercise. I be, wouldn't be a promoter of running every day or getting your heart beat up. Take things, eat well, drink well, socialise well and don't worry about anything. Let's leave it on those words of wisdom from the great man this afternoon. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Late Lunch. Thank I really you, do Jerry, appreciate it. Thank you for all those wonderful people who sent in messages. Thank you. I ain't surprised and they're still coming to us for the moment. Ronnie Delaney, thank you. Thanks, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Yes, that's Diana Ross and the Supremes there and Baby Love on Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. I was just going home from work yesterday and I was looking at the light because it's become really apparent as we head towards the end of January that the days are getting longer. And I just personally love this time of year. And you do know that the 1st of February, yes, it's synonymous with a very famous Irish saint, St Bridget. And she is synonymous with County Louth in this neck of the woods. And when this time of year comes around most years, one woman joins us on Late Lunch and she's back again this year. And I'm delighted she's joining me. She is a teacher in the Celtic spiritualist tradition. Dolores Wheeling, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. It's great to see you again. Thank and you, this year you're joined by a cohort and we've had her as a guest on Late Lunch and I will tell you folks I will never forget the first time she came here because nobody else Dolores ever stood in our reception <laughs> and sang an opera aria and everybody came running out of their offices <laughs> to see what was going on in this place yes she's back today with Dolores Evelyn Borton you're very welcome you. to the show do you I remember that I do I raised the roof I 
I believe. Yeah, a few people come out with a well, it looked like pleasure on their faces. They, they were they were quite surprised. Absolute pleasure, I have to say. Now, Dolores, will you please explain? You know, when I look at the two of you, I, I would say poles apart. But how do you not really. come? Come on, no. really. it's interesting because this year we're only doing a few events for a whole load of reasons, and I was holding the intention that we would do something in the oratory at Fahard on the eve or on Bridges Day. And on the 6th of January, Evelyn phoned me. I didn't get the message till the next day. And she said, I've been guided to do something in the oratory at Fahard. And I went, oh, my God, you know. And and so it's Evelyn is the person who has put the performance together and it is really magnificent. And I'm delighted to be involved with it. But we are doing this really quite magnificent mm. Uh, event on the eve of Bridges and I want to talk about the eve when you've uh, yes go in go to yeah but let me ask Ian this question Mm -hmm. this is one of these uh, deja vu or is it one of these things that just happens in life why did you pick up the phone and get in touch with Dolores well I know Dolores from um, the family connection Mm -hmm. as well and Dolores knew knew my grandmother really Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. uh, Celine and my mum is is Celine as well so that the Henry the Henry girls the Henry girls the Henry girls group in Donegal (laughs) (laughs) and um, my uh, there's Linda and Linda does uh, there's the Reiki so within within that I've I've met Dolores okay so Um, there's a family connection there is a family connection okay well that explains a lot Okay, so there is that connection as well. But Bridget and this time of the year, what about that? Has that been on your radar? Yeah, it has been on my radar for some time. And really, it's what's guided me to come to come home. So when I met you and sang to everyone out, um, out in the, in the, the office there, yeah. the reception... Um, and uh, the, the, even the photo that we have on the flyer here, mm. that manifested itself in the, in the studio in Toronto. Mm. And um, the, a wonderful photographer in Toronto, we're working there. And I just, the first thing I had to do when I, and because we were talking about Diva Unleashed when I was here last mm. time, but first thing I had to do when I arrived back here, I left um, Toronto on April Fool's Day. And... Um, <laughs> I know April Fool's Day. A 20, smart move. I know, 2017. And um, I I hired the car in Dublin and I hadn't been up to that shrine since I was nine years of age, but the car guided me right up the road. I stopped, I got big bottles of water, I filled them up and then I got to my apartment up in Louth and I, I, I just drank the water, slept for the best sleep I've had in the longest time. And I've always loved, um, and then we had a wonderful walk on Sunday. Mm, pilgrimage, yeah. uh, We pilgrimage walk. And um, we passed Cucullin's Castle and all up through there. And for me, it was the first time since, because I left here when I was nine, mm. but just came flooding back mm. the, the memories of as a child, I'd go up there with my grandfather and he was a great with the dogs and nature. And sure, I was always being filled with mm. the stories of Satanta and Cucullin mm. and being sent to look for fairies uh, in, in the bushes. And it, it just... Yeah, it just called me. It called you and here you are and here you are together now. Yeah, and one of the things that I have seen, like we have done the the festival and the pilgrimage over the last number of years and what we find is amazing. Like at the pilgrimage on Sunday, we had four people who flew from Germany to be there, one person who flew from Connecticut. Now they're gone to down to Kildare to do the celebrations down there. We have we had 3,000 responses to one Facebook message when Rasheen 
uh, posted a poem because the, what's really important to understand is that the energy of the divine feminine is rising again in the world and Bridget is the manifestation of the divine feminine within the Celtic spiritual tradition in both its pre-Christian and its Christian origin. Now when you talk about the rising of the feminine you're talking about at this time of year. No, no. no I'm or- talking about this time in our lives. Oh, okay. As well as this time of okay, year. Okay, so both. Yeah. Yeah, the combination yeah, of both. Yeah. Tell me, I'll just remind listeners about Bridget. Who okay. was she? When well, did she live? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, I did an interview with a young man one time um, and he asked me, when exactly did she leave for her to go to the Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Derek. I think he wants to know what number of bus she got, but I didn't have those details. But here's the thing. At the centre of the ancient spiritual tradition of this country is the feminine, because all life comes from the feminine. Even, and the great Meister Eckhart, the uh, Christian mystic, says... Even the divine Godhead, God, God comes from the feminine, from that place of because the feminine is what's called beingness, and out of the beingness comes the manifestation. So Bridget is the energy of the divine feminine, who is the and she's known as. There's a beautiful chant with it, Shedavahavrij Bandia Nabaha. Bridget is the goddess of life. So she's the earth goddess, she's the life the life force. And at this time of the year, the life force called the Nyart in Ireland rises. She is celebrated at this time. But also, one of the lovely quotes that I really like about her is, she breathes life into the mouth of dead winter. But she's breathing life now into the dead mouth of a sick culture. Our materialistic, absolutely off the rail culture. I watched Eco Watch last night and I was horrified. Horrified with how we are continuing to destroy the planet. Because not because we're bad people, but because we don't see what we're doing. And Bridget is hugely about the earth and respect for the earth. And that whole deadness that's coming in our culture because we're so disconnected from the earth. We- do you believe, do you believe, uh, Dolores, that, you know, this is retrievable? Like, you're I in don't despair. know. I don't know. I'm not in despair. I never go into despair. I get very angry sometimes. Mm. But I believe, and even I were talking about this coming down in the car, there is always something that each one of us can do. I do. I have never, ever believed that I can do nothing. And there's always something I can do. Okay. Let's bring Evelyn into the uh, conversation about this. You heard what Dolores had to say there, explaining the, the, the female, the feminine, the energy that's there at this time in, in, in two aspects. And then that, those words that caught me there, she's in despair about human, mankind, womankind, and what we're doing to this planet. You've travelled extensively. You've performed in the great opera house of the world. You've been in Italy, you've been in New Zealand, Canada, everywhere, you name it. Is, have you seen this everywhere, this... this 
Yeah, I have. And, and, and my own journey within myself, and I think I call it, it's been quite a cathartic journey like anything in life. And it's, it's funny, I feel like I've just woken up. And um, as a as a it's okay, you know, I'm now living in a world we were just talking before, it's so politically correct out there, you're watching everywhere. I'm, I'm working on a piece actually because I've started writing and I'm calling it Social Paralysis of the Modern Age because we hop on, the, you know, you hop on your Facebook page and there's all of these things popping up all the time and we're on our overload. Then we somehow think by pushing a button on Facebook and going, yes, I disagree with that, it will make a change. But then we go, how do I make a change? What do I do? And then having to dig deep into my own self and understanding I believe as humans, we're we're one of two things. We have the ability within all of us. We can create or we can destroy. Mm -hmm. Now, when you are creating, you're never destroying. Mm -hmm. When you're creating a beautiful meal at home, and you create that and everybody sits down and has a bit of crack and they enjoy the meal. Now, everybody can be in a different state. There can be the teenager going, I don't want to be here, but still they get on and eat the meal. Mom, there's all the different things happening, but that connectedness. Mm. Now, we need to just go back to, I say, keep it sensibly simple. You know, the kiss theory, because there is there's there are huge problems everywhere. But I've got another wonderful auntie, my auntie Peggy, and she's a wonderful saying, which is when we mind our own business, mm. everything works. Now, each day, because I've I felt completely powerless. How can little old me make a change? But if each day I put my heart into the little things that I'm doing, mm-hmm. and you can we've forgotten who's my neighbour, who's mm-hmm. this person, who's that. But if we each person we pick up our own mantle, we'll use Bridget's thing, you pick up your own mantle of I will be present. I'm going to when I'm making me a cup of tea for someone or I'm doing something for someone, I'm gonna put thought and intention and love into it and so I guess through my thing is through song Mm -hmm. sharing song and when we talk about light and the Bridget for me it's the light within yourself Mm -hmm. you know you can you can be walking down the street and I've been there your eyes are dead in your head or you can be alive and vital and that is so important to say let me head to a short break we're talking about Bridget and the festival is coming up we're going to tell you what's going on in County Louth over the next few days to celebrate this but it's an opportunity you're hearing what the girls have to say today to stop think and change direction and make a difference with the power of one born in Louth monastery in Kildare wells all over the place and our spirit in Ireland and way beyond in, in the world but Dolores look this thing, uh, and it's going to be a theme, I said it on, on late lunch, mm. when the year began this year, we're going to focus this year on the environment, on the world, where we live, mm. our connectivity mm. as mm. people. We really do have to get back to this. We have to, and I think we have to start simply. It's so easy to say, what can I do? But if everybody, as Eve said earlier, and if everybody did one thing that they can do, there would be a huge difference. Tell them what you did with your neighbours in the summer, quickly. Oh, I, I had two wonderful neighbours in for lunch, for an evening meal, and we st- we had such fun. You didn't really know them. Uh, well, I did. Well, you I know did. them, but not I knew really. them, not, but it was just such a revelation. <laughs> and now a lovely, beautiful connection has happened between the three of us. And Go and we, do it, folks. Do it yeah. with somebody now. And, and you know, you know, the thing about it is, you don't have to be perfect. Your house doesn't have to be perfect. It's not about that. It's about Neil Nyarthka Kurla Kela. We no strength till we come together. Or the one I really love is Sarska Akela and Mary Nadini. We live in the crook of each other's arms. We need to get back to creating community. And Bridget was hugely into that. And into generosity is another thing. She was the most generous of people. And there's a lovely story told where one day this very posh woman came and gave her these very posh apples. 
and Bridget handed them to somebody else to give away. And the, the posh woman was really annoyed and she said, I gave them to you. And Bridget said, what is mine is everybody's. Mm. We have to get away from this materialism. Do you know this thing in the world... How much is the stock index up? What's the growth levels? Oh. How much profit are we making? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely not worth it. Driving, driving, driving. Absolutely. For what? Yeah, it, it's, it's called being out of control and being out of a relationship with the earth and relationship with ourselves and the relationship with each other. And the earth is kicking back, even. Yeah. Like, look at the, what we've experienced. Simple things with the weather oh, catastrophes yeah. we've seen, the melting of the polar caps, yeah. and, and some people saying this isn't real. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. I was just saying earlier when I was working, um, I did seven months on the high seas and saw beautiful places, saw a lot of the world's seas and oceans, but I can tell you I saw firsthand yeah. the pollution. Oh, yes. I, I pulled into Rio de Janeiro. It was beautiful but I, I, I wouldn't get in the water mm. I look down and and it is this whole thing of and this is where I go back to that word of and it's a piece I'm working on and so you know paralysis yes. of the modern day yeah. and we have to get back to because we do everybody's kind of living through a world of looking online if they are and oh but I don't have this or I'm not that person or this person's there just to go back to yourself and go with me own strength me own hands you were just saying before about being in your garden and putting down your vegetables and your granddaughter and the robins I mean we can do that Mm. and then you suddenly and I know myself because I know what it is to not have that at times in my life and then suddenly and we're so heady Mm. but we have to remember we're three Mm. we're head heart and soul Mm -hmm. now the the head can run riot and so when we then connect it all together and sometimes just to be physical Mm. because we 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 have to get the energy out Mm. and just go out and pick up and you know we also have moments and i think breed the whole thing about fire i can relate to that sometimes you do as you said you can get really annoyed about something but but that is a good energy of course because you can go out and go right i'm going to do something with this now come on let's make a difference But, but the fire and one of the things that's very important is and i've been involved I suppose in in different kinds of things all my life but I would have been very angry when I was younger and my energy was an energy of anger why are they doing this wrong Mm. anger is a really good energy but not to act out of it because the anger energy the anger anger comes up because we're feeling an injustice Mm. but then we have to move out of that anger and find the place of love in ourselves because whatever we do for from love is much more potent than what we do from fear. I'd like to just share three lines from Marion Williamson, who many people quote this and say it was, um, oh, I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. Anyway, what she says, it is our light, not our darkness that we fear. You say, who am I to be wonderful, beautiful, powerful? And the answer is, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. Your plain small does not serve you or the world. Bridget would say the very, very same things. So her words, her philosophy is so relevant today. Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. Now, quickly, what's happening with this big festival? Because I know this year it's a really special effort you've all put in to making Bridget. And here's an opportunity for everybody to ground themselves again, to mm. come back, to mm. make a new start, to mm. get to understand what we're talking about here today. What's going on? Well, it's a creation that's come together and what it is, it's, um, it's from in darkness came forth the light. And the message that we're wanting is light and then um, 
love and then of course compassion but I've got a combination mm. of basically music and sound which is a true vibration and to me music has always been the food and the medicine of the soul so people will come in and it's up at the oratory in Fahard we have Brenda and Paddy who do wonderful sound baths so you've got a range of Tibetan gongs we have bowls we have Tibetan tubular bells we've got a conch from my time in New Zealand when um, lovely Paddy pulled out this beautiful shell we're going to call in the procession but people will arrive before this to sound being in the building because everything is from the very beginning and then at the very end so you walk in there'll be sound happening it's happening at 8 45 on thursday Thursday, the eve of bridget it's happening in the oratory at forhart shrine Mm -hmm. this is where it's happening and it all begins you go there to the shrine for 8 45 to the oratory to the oratory to the oratory oratory. this is very important 8 45 yeah Yeah. so you you won't be dying of the cold outside you'll be inside (laughs) (laughs) and so you come in at 8 45 and there's going to be just vibrations and sound happening then we're going to come in with the light that dolores will be carrying which has been lit from the candle of Bridget and Kildare. That's right. When and we started so, our festival. So we're bringing that light in. And then we've got, uh, and this journey has just brought the serendipitously the most wonderful people together. Yes. So I've got Rowan coming down. He's down from Belfast. Wonderful on the Baron, as well as he's got a hung. We've got tubular bells. We've got Cho Chung, who I've met in amongst this. And she's a lovely Chinese lady married to a gorgeous Irishman. They've both got gorgeous children. She's living in Black Rock. And she's just, she's got a concert hall. Yeah. We've got Irish harp. We have um, flute. Um, so I'll the music is oh, going to be, be magical. Absolutely. Yeah. This is what we're saying. It's a journey. We're going it's to take right. you on a journey. Okay. So yeah. that's Thursday, the eve of Bridget at the Oratory mm-hmm. at Fohart Shrine. Yeah. All right. And you come along. And if you'd like to give a donation, 10 euro would be appreciated. Yes, to yep. absolutely. cover off everything. Yes. Yeah. What else is happening? The uh, We did our beautiful pilgrimage on last Sunday and we had a wonderful day and a wonderful, and a great crowd of people, about 30 people came and it was wonderful. This Sunday, the 3rd of February, we are doing our Imbolc um, ritual. And Imbolc is the season that it, we are moving into now. And the word imbolc comes from an older word, imbolc, which means in the belly, or it's winter pregnant with summer. So this is this whole new beginning. And so in that ritual, we call in the light, we call in Bridget, and we do beautiful music and dance and song and prayers. And everybody is invited to it. It is taking place in Ravensdale Community Centre in Ravensdale behind the local school um, at 5.30 on Sunday evening and everybody is welcome. Children are welcome. Adults are welcome. Everybody is welcome. And we've been doing this for, oh, probably 15 years now and we just love Mm. it. And what we do is we bring Bridget in but we don't just bring her into the hall because the thing about it is It's not about honouring Bridget when she was 1500 years ago. It's about honouring the energy of Bridget, which resides in each of our hearts. That's what it's about. And it's a very special day. And anyone who's been there over the years, I've heard the feedback. I know this. They absolutely love it. So if you've never been... Here's an opportunity this year to come along and they will have lots of returning people who've been there over the years as well. Yeah, and even like for anybody who is not able to go to either of those Mm. events, 
find a time to go to Forhead and walk in the beech trees. It is just beautiful up at the top of the shrine, all these magical beech trees. And then or else go up to the well. And we were there the other uh, the other e- the day as well. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful place. And from that hill where the well is, you can see into Louth, Monaghan, Armagh, down the plains of Morhevna. It's yeah, just beautiful. It's beautiful. Anyway, have to leave it there for yeah. the moment. Great to see both of you today on the show. Wish you well with this very special day on the eve of Bridge, the yes. 31st, the oratory again, I say, oh, at Far Trine. One very quick thing people can do. Sorry. It, a great custom is that you put a piece of cloth out on a bush or on the grass on the eve of Bridget and as she passes she blesses it and you use that for healing during the year Okay, any Um, piece of cloth put it out there and do that now as a tradition start it off great to see you both wish you well thanks for the moment it's uh, great to have Dolores back with us again and Evelyn Barton thanks a million The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Okay, lose weight, feel great. We're at the end of week two and we're back for the weekly weigh-in in Integral Fitness and Leisure. And first up on the scales this evening is Anne Mead and she's looking at me rather curiously. Does that say it all about the week past? It was a tough week, Cherry. We won't deny that. Did the training, did the eating. Didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. There was tears, there was the whole lot. But you look at, I'm here. Everything crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Connor Tully, tears and tantrums and tiaras. What was it all about this week? Is she telling me the truth? Oh, yeah, she was telling you the truth. But, like, look, when we went up there, we we stuck out, we pushed through. It was tough. But, look, had to be done. And hopefully now we'll paid off all good she's put it in during the week she has worked hard I know she's apprehensive about this way in this evening yeah no she's cut things out of her diet that she didn't really like to cut out of her diet I didn't push her that much she decided to do it herself which was fair play and that just shows how dedicated she is so she's been working really good had your rest days yeah uh, Saturday yeah the only day yeah, I wouldn't call it rest now, Jerry. She was out running along the the beach there with her family, so I wouldn't be calling it rest day. But let's just say it was wasn't as tough as what we do upstairs, but it's good. It's good workout. Connor, you're an honest man. Don't be trying to cut us here. That was a seven day week for you. Anyway, last week I want to remind listeners, Anne Mead weighed in after week one at fifteen stone twelve pounds. She'd lost four and a half pounds, and last week we set the target. Well, her own target was three. I said six, but. Okay, Anne, let's head to the scales. Lorraine Balfe is here, as usual, to have a look at them. Okay, so 15-12 in week two. Anne Mead, what do the scales say, Lorraine? Anne is 15 stone and 10 pounds. Two down, two more down. Well done, dear. Well done. Yeah, I am, I'm delighted with that. Because, as I say, it was a very tough week, but I am absolutely delighted with that. And we'll drive on from here now. Connor, I've said this many times, and I was talking to Lorraine a moment ago before we came on here. It is harder for the girls. Girls themselves generally kind of hold it lower down, so it's harder to target for a lot of women as well. And she does have a stressful job, so yeah, it is. It's all it all has to be taken into account. And plus, as I said, she cut t- cut things out of her diet. Two pounds down. It's progress target again. Is four next week. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure on already. Yeah, and no, no. From here on out, you stick to that diet, and we'll we'll get there. All right. You're happy. You have to be happy. Oh with no, that. I am delighted with that. I'm like a half pen ahead of my target. I did say it start three pen a week, so I'm a half head, a half pen ahead after two weeks. Um, 
Look, we'll, we'll drive on from here. An awful lot of people got behind me this week. I can't believe the support I'm getting. It's absolutely amazing, and thanks to everyone. Um, to the two boys that did march me out onto the beach and near kill me, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and I, I hear there's going to be more of that this week from them. Um, but, like, it's it's just amazing. It's it's amazing feeling to think there's so many people behind you. And I suppose Connor here, like, as I said last week, unbelievable all the time on the phone, asking me what I'm where when I'm coming in and just support me 100% yeah. and like I want to do it for myself but I have to do it for Connor and I have to do it for everyone here in Integral because they're just amazing everyone like I'm, I'm saying Connor but all the trainers there's always someone there if you need them and like just all the people that support me along the way I have to do it I'm like there's no way I can't do it you know? <laughs> the pressure's on you're under the public gaze as well yeah, yeah. but look the support is phenomenal people mm. stopping you talking to you contacting social media phone calls mm. the lot oh yeah I had a meeting there um, the work is so busy as well at the minute like it's the start of the year everyone getting their, their stuff in order and uh, I had a meeting in Costa there last I think it was one day last week maybe Wednesday no buns no I had black coffee good <laughs> even got me flat white but um I, I actually had a band in the meeting. That many people come over to me. I said, just forget my work. <laughs> you know? That's great to hear. It is yeah, great to hear. Yeah. Anyway, next week, Connor. Yeah, well, we go for four. Anne. I'll stick with me three. <laughs> <laughs> and there the twain shall meet. Well done to you. Congratulations. Anne Mead, six and a half pound down after our first couple of weeks. Let's hear it for Woo! Well done to you. Good on. Okay, next up is Donald Waters is going to join us. And let's see how he's got on in the last seven days. Anne-Marie Stewart is here with him as well as personal trainer. Well, sir, I'll just have a quick look. Yes, you're slimmer. You're looking slimmer this week. Yeah, much slimmer, yeah. I, I, I think it's down to the clothes I'm wearing. But, uh, yeah, it's been a tough, tougher week this week, Jerry. Um, finding myself, though, a bit of a sea change with the diet. Uh, just not probably getting my tolerance levels are quite l- have been low. I'm surprised me missus is still still there every morning I wake up and uh, the kids are talking to me. Yeah, so probably just going through probably probably all the all the badness is going at me to a certain degree, probably getting climatised to to, to, uh, to to what it should be. Um, it's an absolute joy coming here, getting up every morning at uh, 5 o'clock, coming into uh, uh, to Integral. No, a, I mean, joy a joy at 5 a.m.? Yeah, no, it is. Uh, because, I, I, like people say, that uh, a workout, it does energise you. I do feel much more energy. Even though I do feel much tired because my hour and my sleeping pattern has changed or so with that. But, uh, yeah, I just have to go to bed early now. And uh, yeah, and just hopefully that I uh, don't wake up in the morning uh, at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock because the sleep, the amount, the amount of sleep that you need, I'm sleeping like a baby. But anything in the slightest thing that would wake me would just break my routine and would put me off now for a full week, you know? Anne-Marie, what about that? He's starting to feel it a little bit. Is it withdrawal? Is, is it that that he says, you know, denying himself, the exercise is up, change? It's, it's the sugar and everything else that's coming out of his body, so he's, he's got to be acting different, you know. But he's going to learn a lot about himself in, like, the next few weeks, which, like, with food, you will. You'll become more disciplined in yourself, and he'll it, be watching what he's eating, like, precisely, like, as well. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's doing amazing and what he's doing at the minute like everything I tell him upstairs he's battling away at it so I'm happy enough he's pushing he does through. everything he's yeah. a good pupil a good student he's soldiering on he is, yeah, he's, he's, he's been a trooper so everything I put him through he's been pushing through his paces what are you missing most in your life say from the food point of view probably the bad things to be honest with you I, I, I've never realised how uh, 
bad things are actually really so bad for you you know like sweet things and sugar and you know cakes and sweets and everywhere I look around the kitchen it's just there was white bread there I can't have that on, on Saturday uh, I was starving to be honest with you and I looked in the fridge and I had a celery stick for once for the first time in my whole life a celery stick like like you know like come on and everything we look at TV and on the radio it's all about food and I, I just I don't go on bananas that was your snack the celery yeah, stick yeah, it, it was yeah instead of a bar chocolate yeah, indeed but I must say I am having listen uh, my wife's been tremendous in terms of uh, preparing the meals I'm sending over the, the photographs over to Ammo she, she's very she, she's very tough with me like that if I don't if I'm not by a certain hour she's texting me where, where's the photograph every few even if it's two Weetabix bix I say Ammo it's only two Weetabix bix I, I can just send you the same one I'll send you me dinners I'm not going to be saying what you know I can just send you the same thing what you had for your breakfast yeah, exactly but obviously yeah I'm, oh I'm, she's yeah. keeping a great eye on it she's brilliant at this this is what she's here for I tell you she's a very tough but fair just when you think you're overcoming something another weight goes on the machine you're there ah oh, for God's sake you know <laughs> so so another weight goes on something and then you're just and just pushing it to the limits to a certain degree and and Emma will probably uh, say sometimes I try and cheat you know kind of maybe not do as much or not bend the legs down as much but you know she, she catches me uh, she, she says that's not the way to do it so you know so There's getting no the best of training escaping our clutches what did you say last week what target did we set for him we set last week I think it was five wasn't it yeah five five you're happy with five pound as the target yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I never knew how how difficult it would be even to shake one pound. Never mind five. So I'm hoping that it is. This we put in the work and see what happens. You know. Okay, let's remind everybody. He weighed in at sixteen a pound and a quarter. He weighed last week a week on fifteen six. He'd lost nine and a quarter. Fifteen six last week. Lorraine Balf, the scales say this week. Fifteen stone and one pound. Another five. <laughs> Another five down. You got wow. the five. Wow. Wow. Really happy with that. Uh, yeah, it just it's going to plan. Uh, <laughs> five pounds, I tell you, I don't think there's much more to come off me. Can but, I uh, tell yeah. you something? You have a stone and a quarter pound gone. Yeah, in it, two weeks. Yeah, and I, I've said from day one, I'm trying to get two, uh, two, two stone, and that kind of target is going to be. Uh, I'm not going to say three. It's going to stay at two, and I'm hoping that's my target, and then to keep it up really at the end of the day. You know, you must be thrilled for this I fella I am ecstatic now he really pushed it this week he did he put the effort in this week so I am ecstatic I don't know what to say to be honest I didn't I honestly I thought I was going to come about three and a half like five five incredible yeah. so what about next week he's you know first week he lost nine and a quarter last week five what are you going to set him week three because we'll be at the halfway point three weeks in next week you're going three pounds happy with that yeah I would like to say four to get three. Okay, Amos says three, Donald says four. Is no, that no, all no. right? So three and a half, you know. Three and a half. Okay, he's going to settle in yeah, the middle. We are settling in the middle. Three and a half then, right? Great achievement. You're going great guns. You really are. You're doing everything. It's obviously showing on the scales. Yeah, but yeah, but but, but, but a big mention for Integral as well. Like the equipment that they have here to a certain degree, the amount of equipment that they have here and the expertise that you have here from the trainers. It's a great, it's a great place and I encourage you know lots of people to that have never been in a gym before to come integral and can I say to you as well just on Facebook the messages that I've gotten from people who nev- have never met me and say listen you're doing great guns and keep it up and say listen so yeah so it's really proud to be uh, and take Thank, take this time to thank uh, LMFM as well for the opportunity to do this. Thank you. You're very welcome. Let's hear it again for Donald Waters. Another five pound down tonight. Fourteen and a quarter pound gone in total. We've lost seven between our first two this evening on Lose Weight and Feel Great. We're heading to a break on the show. Don't go anywhere. You will want to know how the others have fared out. Siobhan O'Neill White will be weighing in shortly. Yes, the man who lost so much weight last week, Alan Fedigan, he was the biggest loser with twelve and a quarter pound. What has he done this week? Stay with us on Late Lunch. 
Welcome back to Late Lunch and week two of Lose Weight and Feel Great. Let's be having Siobhan O'Neill White and Fran Manish to the scale till we see how the land lies with the girls here this evening. Fran, first to you, what about Siobhan, the week gone by? She's taken our socks off, I think that's a terrible sign, but anyway, go on. Uh, this week was, has been great, uh, really got to know Siobhan, um, we've had three really good sessions, yeah. and then she uh, had three other days on her own, and she yeah. had a rest day as well, so fingers crossed, I'm very confident. You're confident. Yeah. So we met you on the stairs of Integral in, in Betty Sound as she was running up and down carrying the four pounds she lost last week. That's right, yeah. What do you think of that, Siobhan? I think that was insane. <laughs> uh, they had me carry the weight I lost and not one flight of stairs, three flights. Yeah. He stands at the top with his microphone, arm leaning. It's heavy, it's heavy. Uh, yeah, the, the heavy microphone, arm lean, and I'm running up and down. And even in the interview, you're going... You're sweating a bit there. In other words, get away from me. I was sweating like mad. It was, I don't know what, I've never done an interview like that. I trust you, Jerry. It was insane. <laughs> I thought it was unique. It was different. Yeah. What oh, was yeah. the target last week? We, I said three. And you said? I said two. Okay, they differ a little between the uh, participant and the trainer as well. What do you think? What's your gut feeling here tonight after the week you've had? Well, I went to a family party on Saturday night and everybody, oh. no, 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 everybody was drinking. I was on soda water. People ah. were having cake. I took the strawberry off the top of the cake and ate that. Um, I had fajitas and I had half of one of the wraps and left the other two sitting there. And I had a side salad with it. I, like, I really, really tried. I trained in Integral four times in Bettystown. I swam. I went for a run. I took one rest day. I did hit training this morning with the guys down there as well. So like, I've really, really really tried I've been so good with my food and water and everything um, but you, you can't help it you're just because this is a public thing I'm absolutely so nervous like I think I've done everything good but I'm just nervous I can't help it like because people are stopping me in the shop and going I'm following you and I'm going oh jeez oh what <laughs> oh, the clients are sending me out bath soak uh, runners here's a pair of runners for you Siobhan I'm like oh god so like and it's lovely, but like it, there is pressure to, yeah. to do well. And um, but I'm doing as, as best my best. And you can do mo- no more than that, Fran. No more than that. And uh, we also have decided not to weigh ourselves during the week. So today will be a complete surprise. Um, and so that's the way we rock, you know. <laughs> so no little sneak previews. You didn't have a look. Remember, anyway, I'll tell them all. It doesn't matter no. what your scales say because it's our scales that count. No, I didn't and I wouldn't because I think I would get obsessed. If I got on one morning, I would get on every morning and I'd rather not do that. I'm focusing on the food and the training and doing what Fran tells me in her daily texts. Thanks, Fran. Welcome. Just to make checking in on me all the time. Um, no, but actually that's good because then I can ask questions. I mean, the other night I was, I was hungry at about mm, half eight or so and I went down to the group chat and I said okay I'm hungry what can I have and Lorraine said have some rice cakes with peanut butter and that was perfect so actually there is really good support there and it is like I do feel very supported but I am I feel pressure and I do feel really nervous well look at let's end those nerves for this evening and step on those scales she weighed in at 13 stone and half a pound week one last week after a week she lost four she was down to 12 10 and a half Lorraine, tell me. Down to 12 stone, 7 pounds. 12, 7, 3 and a half pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
three and a half pound gone. Oh, it's going to be sweat coming out of me now. Relief, relief. Oh, Jesus, that's brilliant. I've never seen Siobhan or Neil White as red in my life. She doesn't embarrass easily. Oh, my God, I was just like, yeah, I mean, I know. I've talked about some topics on your show. Absolutely. I'm delighted. That's seven and a half pounds, so you have a half a stone gone in two weeks. Just over half a stone. Isn't that something else? I'm delighted for you, Siobhan. So delighted. I don't know what to say. Yeah, well done. Yeah. You are. A stone is your target for the six weeks, and you're halfway there after two. That's a wonderful achievement. Does that encourage you now to even push harder next week? It does, because... I don't weigh myself during the week. I really, really, really didn't know. I mean, you can, you know me well enough to know. I was genuinely very nervous getting on that scales. And even the girls were on a sleepover with my mum's house the other night and she sent them home with Ferrero Rocher, Lindt chocolate, milk teeth, my favourite, and Mikado biscuits. And I texted her and I went, you are so mean. And she was like, it's for the children. I went, I can't have all that muck in front of me. But the kids have been brilliant. The other night, normally on a Saturday night, we'd have a glass of wine and they've had crisps. But this week, obviously, I didn't have any wine. And my husband made popcorn and we just, we had popcorn instead with no butter and none of that. So they're being really supportive and that is helping me a lot. Of course it is. Anyway, week ahead, full programme again for Siobhan next week what will she be down <laughs> you can't see this here stop giving her signals none of that old stuff at all uh, here don't no, you can't see her now what's I she going to be I down? want three actually sorry three. Siobhan I want three oh three next week you're not getting out of here easy and turn into a rice cake <laughs> or a carrot stick okay three pounds I'm gonna do I, your best for us, won't you? I'll do my best. I'll That's do my best. Do. I'll do my best. Anyway, she's down, down, down again, folks, and it's brilliant. Three and a half pound down. Siobhan O'Neill White. Fantastic. Last but not least, they're all waiting for him. Yes, he's the man who set records with us a week ago. He was the biggest loser in week one. Alan Fedigan is here, and his personal trainer, Nathan McLaughlin. Gentlemen, good to see you both again. Well, Alan, how was the week for you? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, start of the week was very good. The weekend got tough. Now we had a few functions and on in the pub, and it was hard. Late nights and it was hard. Food end of it was hard, but I stuck to it. Did you stay? Now come on, your daughters are here with you tonight. Did he stick to it? Yeah, we're getting nods here from 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 the room. You did stay. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent stuck to it. Yeah. The hours you do have difficult hours with the business you're in. Yeah, it was, it was late. <laughs> Friday night was three o'clock and. We had two parties Saturday night, so it was a little bit later than three. So. <laughs> it certainly was. Nathan, when you factor that into what he's trying to do, sleep, erratic hours, long days? Oh, most definitely, yeah. The rest periods are just as important. So we have took two consecutive days rest now because I want them fueled up and ready to go for the week ahead. But again, when he's working them late nights, you know, he's burning off that ex- uh, extra amount of calories. Unfortunately, I do tell him he's allowed a snack, but you know, he's being good, he's sticking to it, and he's not doing them late night snacks either, which is brilliant. And even this week alone, he was busy, I had to put more pressure on him to take care of himself and do his own bit of training, and he stood up to the challenge and handled it very well. So I'm looking forward to see what the result is. You're in the gym early with these guys most days. How many days are they doing in the gym? Well, we're working about four to five. Like, you mm. know, there is days where we, we're taking a day by day at the minute, we're looking at our rest and seeing what we need, but we're, we're averaging about four to five days in. We're getting the spin class in at half six in the morning again them spin classes are open to anyone that would like to join us for them and then we do a little bit of training afterwards you know it's going brilliant you understand the reaction you got last week you, you made history with us on lose weight and feel great nobody 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 lost 12 and a half in a week 
Yeah, it was good, all right. And I certainly knew about it all week in the pub because there was people I didn't even know. I didn't even realise so many people knew this was going on, you know. So. Oh, they do. Yeah. Believe me, they do. And they are following you as well. And uh, collectively, you all set a new record last week because we never had a week like that to lose £30. It was absolutely sensational. You will be down tonight, won't you? Uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully a couple of pounds, yeah. Well, let's take everybody out of suspense and step on those scales there. Alan Fedigan weighed in last week at 20 stone and a quarter pound. He lost 12 and a quarter in a week. Is there a 19 on those scales, Lorraine? Yes. Down again. What does it say? 19? 19 stone, five and a half pound. Oh, 19, five and a half Alan Fedigan, you have lost eight and three quarter pounds this week. A bit of a shock now. I didn't think I'd get. I thought maybe four or five pounds, but delighted with that. Do you know what you've lost in total? This man, in two weeks, folks, has lost 21 pounds. What about that for a, an achievement? Yeah, more than I expected. I, I didn't think I'd go that good now, to be honest. That's fantastic. Unbelievable. But look, it's all on him. This week, I told you, I had to take a step back. He handled it all brilliantly. So it's all on him. Well deserved. He deserves every part of it. Stuck to the diet, training hard. So keep going now. You know, we're already, what, we've seven pounds left to reach our target. So we're going to smash it this year. 100%. Oh, for sure. And we're heading to the halfway point three weeks in next week. Can you believe it? So set his target. I'd love to get the 28 after the halfway mark rather than the full weight. It's a big ask, but I'd be happy with three to four pounds. But if we could hit 28 after the third week, I'd be over the moon. So he's looking for seven next week from you. Uh, this fella's not well now. <laughs> <laughs> you you might you might be well <laughs> if, you, if you lose that seven. Uh, well, we go three or four now next week. Yeah, we okay. Be I realistic ahead, yeah. So as steady as you go, keep doing what you're doing. It's working. Yeah, it is, yeah. How so. do you feel? Great, yeah. Totally Do you different. notice it? Oh, in every way, in attitude, in, in everything, in humour, and just everything. Isn't that great to hear that? Oh, yeah, you can see it in him. Even with the T-shirt he said tonight, he hasn't worn that in a while. So that's what I work off, how you feel and things that didn't fit you before and going down sides and clothes. This is what makes you feel good, you know, and looking better and feeling better. So Well done. Congratulations to both of you. Great achievement, folks. What a man, eight and three quarter pounds. So, Lorraine, what have we lost in total with them all? 19 and a quarter pounds down again, folks, this week. Absolutely brilliant. Almost the 20 pound again. Lorraine, final word to yourself. My God, they just astound us, don't they, again? Yeah, I'm so proud of all of them. They were particularly nervous this week. We've seen it in all the years, Jerry. There's always a kind of a curve where they start to sort of brick it. It's coming to the scales and they're really, really nervous. And we know there's going to be kind of a dip at some stage as well. All the sugar, of course, leaving their system. So we've seen it before. They're doing it. But wow, what weight loss. So they're sticking to the plan. And like I said before, the plan works. Listen to your trainer. The plans work. And if you want to join in the programme and get excellent care while you're losing weight and getting fitter, do contact Integral Fitness and Leisure, Drogheda and Bettystown, and they'd be delighted to look after you. Halfway point next week, are we all up for it? Yay! Indeed they are. A week's time, let's see how to do. Thanks a million, everybody. Well done. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations again, may I say, today after that unbelievable weigh-in last night. Well, Louise... What do you make of the class of 2019? Aren't they just fantastic? Like, they're just giving it their all. Kudos. Wish 14. I could say <laughs> Listen, you're doing well. You're doing well. Don't, 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 don't knock it out. Uh, 49 and a quarter pounds lost. Three stone, seven and a quarter in two weeks between the four of them. That's amazing. They've lost a little person, Jerry. <laughs> 
They've lost a mini Siobhan, a mini Alan, a mini Anne. They've <laughs> they a little person. Feel they gooder really running have. around. But you know, if you put that out there, uh, Lorraine Balfour often says it in Integral, if you put it out in pounds of butter or two pounds mm. of sugar or whatever you have and sit it on a counter there and look at it and realise, you know, what they were carrying and what they've got rid of, it's, it really is incredible. I do want to say, like, they're getting one-to-one uh, attention from the personal trainers in Integral. It's intense for this time, and that's why it's so good as well for them. But look, it just shows you what can be done. Can they're they keep the, it up? Uh, to the trainers as well. They're oh, all rounders, aren't they? Oh, they're just all... In every way. In every way with them. Can they keep it up? Can they keep that pace up? I don't know. It gets, it gets harder. Surely it does. We know that from year to year as the weeks go on. But look, they're well set to hit the targets that they set themselves at the very first week and we'll be at the midpoint it's flying along three weeks mm-hmm. it's six week programme we'll be at the midpoint next week and I can't wait to see how they get on I will be dipping in to join them in the gym on Thursday you'll hear about it here on Late Lunch on Friday afternoon just want to read a comment that came to us belatedly about Ronnie tell Ronnie I was thinning turnips in a field in Knockbridge when word came through that he won the gold medal <laughs> in 1956 in Melbourne yeah. thanks indeed for that lovely message there and just one other thing before we go today we're going to leave you with Miss Kylie in a moment but um, if you're interested in beekeeping or taking up beekeeping which I delved uh, into for a while uh, there is a, an introduction evening an open night for anybody interested in taking up beekeeping happening this night week in the Chagas Centre Dublin Road Dundalk that's the 5th of February 8 o'clock and Tom Shaw the brilliant PRO of the County Loud Beekeepers Association issues an open invitation to anybody who'd like to learn about beekeeping it's fascinating if you've the time to give it and you want something different and very very nice in your life beekeeping is the way to go Chagas Centre Dundalk next Tuesday 8 o'clock anyway that's a lot on late lunch today well almost a lot because it's time to hear from this lady yes Kylie Minogue 2001 and I just can't get it out of my head the weight these guys are losing this year
Lunch with Blackstone Motors, now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors, Dundalk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.